1: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Keep politics out of football. Well, okay then, we will. After a whirlwind week of off-the-pitch action, we're refocusing the lens on the football and discussing the upcoming match against Aston Villa this weekend. It's Thursday the 9th of February, I'm Amos Murphy.
1: I'm Adam Booker. And I'm Oli McCool.
0: And this is the City Report Podcast.
1: to this extraordinary going. Sergio
0: Aguero. Unbelievable.
2: Manchester United won, Manchester City six. It's two for Zheko.
1: Tottenham Hotspur
0: 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Quite weak, Adam. Quite weak.
1: Yes. Here we are again on the mic. Um, woke up to this morning to being called a giddy red shirt because I dared uh, criticise the, the ever-pure Manchester City football club yesterday. Um. I had hoped maybe we'd be talking about United's game this weekend, uh, as that's my new <laughs> club. Um, but here we are talking about City instead.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the Giddy Red uh, Report podcast. It is, in fact, the City Report podcast. Um, Ollie, you are, are on the show for the first time this week. Um I'll, I'll, at this point, we'll direct listeners, if you haven't already, pause this, go and listen to the fantastic show Adam did with um, Andrew Detmer, who by, as you will find out by his profession, is a lawyer, did a really good job in a 25-minute segment of detailing absolutely everything that, at this point, needs to know about the the, the case with City. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to that. It's fantastic. Anyway, Ollie, first time on the show this week. Basically, it'd be remiss of us to sort of go straight into football. We will. We will speak about football, I promise. But quick thoughts, quick summary. What's your week been like? Because it's been... It's been, like I said at the top, it's been a whirlwind.
2: Yeah, we all woke up on Monday feeling a bit, you know, sorry for ourselves and saddened about the Spurs game. And then, you know, what, an hour later, our group chat went ballistic, having (laughs) realised, oh, we're back to this, are we? I mean, you have to appreciate City getting themselves into financial trouble and legal trouble whenever we're having a bit of an off-season. You know, it it does create a a nice, I don't want to say a nice welcome distraction, but it creates a distraction from the football. Um, But it's just been a week of remembering those times in, in, you know, three three years ago now when UEFA decided to do pretty much what the Premier League are doing and set the world alight with, you know, Manchester City are all horrible and bad and everyone else in football is great and good and no one else has ever done anything wrong in their lives. Not that I'm saying City are, you know, absolute, perfectly clean and moral because, you know, I don't think any kind of big business on this scale is. But at the same time, I'm a football fan. If I wanted to be a financial expert, I'd be a financial expert. I don't, like, no. I, I, I I listened to the podcast Adam and Andrew did uh, yesterday and I thought it was absolutely brilliant. It's, you know, the perfect explainer uh, for this situation and people more qualified than me, me, you or Adam, like Andrew, more capable of dissecting this than we ever will be. So I'm just happy to leave, to put it all to a side and, you know, make the odd joke about it now and again. But I think, you know, Time to get to the football again, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, that's the cycle. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought it was really sort of important. And it hit home when Andrew Adams said in that show, you know, I find it, I find it, Fun And I find it weird when my uh, work life mixes with my personal life. And it's like, that's so good having him there to do it. But it shouldn't be the case, should it? Like, no one gets into football because of this. I didn't, I didn't one day with my dad go to Main Road for the first time and in 20 odd years later wish I was dissecting Premier League handbooks and speaking to fans about geopolitical issues. Whether, we do that because that's our job and we're reporters, and we we cover it as balanced as possible while sharing our own opinions at times as well. But no one gets into football like this. And I think this week I'm just like, at the end of it, meh. We're not even at the end of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. At some point yesterday, I was just sitting at the kitchen table looking defeated, and Laura was like, what the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) And I was like, I'm about to spend all week going on a podcast talking about in in, like independent commissions and the big four audit companies (laughs) and like I just this isn't enjoyable whatsoever and it's just at this point I'm the thing that angers me the most about the situation is not the idea of City playing in League Two it's the fact that I can't just come on here with you guys and have discussions about left backs. What, I had which, no which idea, which idea how much I enjoyed. I had no idea how much I enjoyed talking about left backs until I didn't have the option to do it anymore.
2: Well, well now, Adam, you get to talk about League One left backs and League Two left backs. So, exactly. I, I mean, to, to kind of give a, a final thought on that, I wouldn't. How fun would that be? You know, City, City in League One or two again. That'd be so much careful, fun.
1: Careful, you giddy red shirt. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, take take that what you will, but come on, City in the EFL would just be great content.
1: I will say there there are there are very 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 different demographics of City fans, and I think the majority on this podcast, at least I can speak for the three here, um, would absolutely love a run in in the EFL
0: Mm. because it's
1: it's it's the pure, I mean, somewhat purity of the EFL compared to the Premier League. That is why we love football. I I don't think the three of us love football so that we can win Champions Leagues and spend eight billion pounds every 10 years. It's, you know, it's just supporting your team and having great moments. And that can still happen in League Two and League One and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, and and you know before before they come for us, um, <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think that's to say that suddenly we want you know anything that's happened over the last ten years suddenly run grateful suddenly we're spite blah blah. It, to me, it really and David Mooney again I'm, I'm giving shout outs today. David Mooney with Sam Lee and why always us this week did an unbelievable job of just sort of putting everyone's thoughts into place. And he said, "If City are playing National League football, if City are playing the Champions League final tomorrow, I'll still be there." Mm. It doesn't matter to it doesn't matter to me if it's Erling Haaland or Martin Waghorn who's playing up front. I'll still be there, whether or not it's uh Rotherham United's New York City Stadium or bloody the Met Life in New Jersey. You know, I'll still be there. It doesn't matter, and I think that's a good place to maybe, maybe for now, uh, put a full stop under what has been a pretty tumultuous couple of days. So, Oli, Tottenham away, how was that?
2: That was awful, wasn't it? It was.
0: <laughs> it was just.
2: I think I think I said this on the podcast recently about a game. I can't remember which one it was, but it was one of the worst performances I've seen from City in a long time. And but even if even if I didn't say that on here, I've said it about a game in the last few weeks because it was just like the first ten minutes. You're thinking, okay, City are looking, they're looking alright. You know, there's a, c- a couple of a couple of getaways on the break, and a, and, a, and you know, City were completely in control, and then they just lost it. They lost their heads mm. and then the goal and then and then the goal came, and then their heads never recovered. Um, mm. It was just one of those performances where you're thinking, why, why why do we consider this our greatest hobby, our greatest entertainment, our greatest for some of us our greatest love because at moments like that you just you know we just talked then about the loving football and loving moments of football. That's one of those moments that makes you hate football. And that, and you know, people can come on here and call me spoil, a spoiled brat for losing the Spurs away. But we've played five times in that stadium and not scored a single goal. I mean, come mm. on, come on! Are they scared of a stadium? Are they? Are they? Genu- <laughs> are these players scared of a stadium? Because if so, that's just pathetic. Just like that performance was. I'm, I'm trying yeah, not to I, get like incensed and angry, but it just it just annoys me when you see players I'm- who are just oh, just my head in.
0: I've spent the last forty eight hours trying to convey this sort of calm, measured <laughs> approach, sort of dignified, trying to break down the facts and figures. And then as soon as as soon as I go back to that that Tottenham game, I just I remember I was I was actually with some lads in, in Tottenham, uh shout out Hugh Murray, shout out Dylan, shout out Pedder, Um and we were we were mulling this over after the game. And I was just like, I'm sick of it. I'm genuinely sick of it. And, you know, I've gone from saying we're not spoiled, blah, blah, blah to actually like <laughs> uh, one, one defeat, as Ollie says, and, and we're losing the plot. But Adam, what I mean by that is is, I'm, I'm I'd rather, I'd much rather City, and we'll get to Villa now, I'd much rather City lost the football match for free instead of whatever that... What, I, do you know what, do, can you try and sort of, with your intelligent outlook, try and dissect and try and come to a conclusion as to what Guardiola was trying to achieve? Because, of you know, we're not going to pretend that for some for some crazy reason. We're better than him, we know more than him. But it, it, at the moment, we're watching it go in. What's the objective? What What is the outcome here, aside from City having lots of possession?
1: Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking at it from Guardiola's point of view... Um, to be fair to him slightly, the personnel he's working with right now is not great. And again, another spoiled take because there is an, an immense amount of quality in the team. But as far as, um, as far as actually building a cohesive 11 players on the pitch, the personnel he has right now isn't great. You've got one senior fullback in Kyle Walker who has been injury prone this season. His form has been up and down. Um, you've got about 18 center backs when you only need two at the most three on the pitch at a time. Um, at the moment we're relying on an 18 year old Academy product to play in the most important position in the team, which is the inverted fullback that helps break the press. Um, and that's no criticism of Rico Lewis. I think he's absolutely fantastic, but there are been moments when he's got a bit overrun. Um, but there were, if you go back and look at that Spurs game, there were blatant tactical, um, tactical. I, I don't know. I don't want to call it mistakes, Loss. but yes. For instance, this 3-2, three, 3-2, two, three, two, or however, however you want to shape it out, every single time City went to play out of the back, Rico Lewis and Rodri were outnumbered in midfield because Tottenham play this 3-4-3 three, three or 3-5-2, three, and they've got more midfielders than we do. Simple as that. It's simple math. They had three players on hour two that we're trying to break out of the press. And so we turn the ball over deep in our half and we get scored on and lose the game. I mean, it's a a very simple formula and it felt like there was absolutely no tactical flexibility to deal with the way that Tottenham was set up. And that doesn't even kind of touch on the fact that this system isn't designed for going 1-0 down. The system is specifically designed to prevent you from going 1-0 down, (laughs) controlling the game, not allowing chances the other way and trying to pick off the team and to be fair, if you eliminate the Harry Kane goal, right, that, that, and bear with me here, that first half was probably exactly what Guardiola wanted. He gets a shot off the crossbar late in the half that maybe should have gone in. There was one or two other little moments that the, that City could have done better. I remember Erling Holland kind of being in on goal and deciding to pass in a David Silva-esque way when he the shot was on for him. So he created his two or three chances. Maybe one of them goes in. You don't give the ball away deep in your own half. And maybe you go in at halftime one nil. But then from there, there's no tactical flexibility to deal with the fact that you're now down, you're now chasing the game, you're struggling to play out of the back, you're struggling to deal with the counterattack. And it just felt like, well, hopefully we'll come out of this. And we're talking about who many of us believe is the greatest football manager of all time, the greatest football mind of all time. And he can't figure out to just put one more body in midfield because we're outnumbered. Hmm. I'm apathetic to it. I posted in the group chat that night that it's like, this is clearly is not going to change. It's every, every seven days we play this way, we set up this way, the energy is the same. It's clearly not going to change. Whatever happens come mid-May, whether it's a, a league and cup double or a treble or nothing, it's just going to happen because I don't think anything's going to change.
0: I'd, I'd, I'd be very surprised if anything changes because, you know, how how many times before, how many how many times at this point is a coincidence or an accident or whatever? Because it, it it's it's a conversation. I feel like I'm living in my head about fourteen million times a week. Um, City do this sort of this cycle of having a really bad performance, they find in the next game or the game after that some sort of spirited comeback or, or put on a statement. You know, I'm thinking of Chelsea away in that second half after, the, after that terrible first half. I'm thinking it's Spurs at home in that second half after going 2-0 behind. They then go on this little... I mean, we're talking about a team who's, who's had history of winning 20 games in a row. At the moment, City's longest winning streak in uh, sort of at least post-World Cup, is, I think, three football matches. City used to win three football matches in a week and no one would even bat an eyelid at the moment. I think it was you, Adam, actually, and this is the sort of how bad it's been uh, before the Spurs game. You said, oh, I think City about to go on one of those winning streaks. And, I mean, we'd won three football games in that sense and it sort of shows when you're saying this is the start of City's winning streak when usually it just happens and we're like, oh, dear me, City have won 12 games in a row. Um, Oli, let, let, let's switch focus to Villa a little bit then. Um, because it, it feels like City away from home, City at home are two completely different entities at the moment. To be honest, Villa obviously harbors great memories of the from last season, the final game of the of the campaign, Gundogan, etc. What are you expecting this time around? Because they've enjoyed a little bit of a mini bounce, and I reckon they'll probably be travelling to the Etihad thinking, "Yeah, you know what, we can get some here."
2: Yeah, they're going to feel quite buoyed. I think you know, not just because of how, you know, positive their kind of turnaround with Luna Emory has been. But, you know, with how City are playing, they're a bit fragile. They're a fragile team at the moment. This is a team that are, you know, quite easy to, you know, get get one chance and that could be it. But you know, so I think City have got to be really wary of that. But as Adam says, nothing's gonna change. You know, we yes, we are a different team at home. Um, you know, I think mm. the, I think there's a little bit more energy in the team. Um, I don't think they're as overawed because you know, you know whether whether, and whether that comes back to the atmosphere or anything, but you know, City should City should be looking at that at that Villa game uh, at the end of last season and thinking, right, that's that's going to be the sort of thing we've got to start putting in week in week out every game to win to win something this season. You know, it's it's that sort of energy, it's that sort of you know that that Cityitis almost that kind of underpins the greatness mm-hmm. of this team at times, um, and we haven't seen it enough since post World Cup you know we all we all thought we'd seen it um you know in in the derby when Grealish got that goal you know thought in thinking like this is it and you know the amount of times I've said to myself right this is where City start this winning run just like we were saying then so you know maybe this is the game where City have to there has to be a reaction you know whether I don't think I don't think it's going to come tactically I don't think it's going to come you know you know much visibly on the pitch but there's got to be Something There's got to be something fresh in this team to get them going. Otherwise, this season is doomed to fail.
1: There is the Spurs away factor as well, because one of my closest friends here in Portland is, is a lifelong Arsenal fan. And, you know, obviously going into that Spurs game, Arsenal had dropped points against Everton, and there was this kind of buzz, like, is this where the turnaround happens? And I remember saying to him Saturday afternoon after after the Arsenal game, 99 out of 100 times I would trust City To smell the blood And pounce here And and get a win And turn it around But the one time Out of 100 Is Tottenham away <laughs> And so You you kind of ha- You can't forget About that factor And you know Is there a curse Are the players Afraid of a stadium Do they not like Big cocks Up, up above their heads I don't I don't Whoa! really
0: know
1: <laughs> He had that planned He had that planned
2: um, but No, no, I, I, I agree, though, because, you know, City teams city teams in the past, you know, I, the, the team I always go back to is the, is the team in 2018-19. You know, when Liverpool had that little dip after we beat them at the A-Had, ult- and then City just went on, what was it, a 13-game win streak? And they just looked incredible. And they were just getting results and grinding it out and just being the brilliant team that we all know and love. I don't think we've, you know, that's the team we're all waiting for to turn up here. And, you know, I just don't know if we're going to get it. You know, I don't, I don't like, we know what to expect from City tactically. We know, we, you know, you know, it's going to be Rico's going to be inverting and, you know, it's going to, it's probably going to be Grealish and maras and it's going to be a slow build up, and it's not going to be much energy. But, you know, there's got to be, there's just got to be something. Otherwise, you know, the season just isn't going to work out the way people hoped it did when Harlem was, you know, scoring three hat-tricks in a week.
0: Yeah, you say that, you say that, but I've maintained this position for a while now that Erling Haaland could have still not played a game for Manchester City Football Club, and his purpose wouldn't have even been needed yet. I don't think City. Mm. May, I'm not. I'm not going to entertain a debate whether or not City are a better team with Haaland, no, whether or not no, without no. you, because it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. The the issues are uh, away from Haaland. He scored thirty one goals. He's clearly making this team better. What I mean by that is that City. "Bought Haaland," if not for anything else, to have that extra that extra option in Champions League games. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if it... I, I can't even remember if the deal was done by then, but that, that Real Madrid game at home, when City had about 97 chances and, and managed to, for some reason, only score five, which sounds crazy saying it, but that game, I wouldn't have been surprised after Guardiola, going, get it done. It, it might have already been done, I can't remember, but you know, there's a million and a million and one examples of that throughout the season. So I think City could have... have Given Erling Haaland his debut and hopefully touchwood uh, a Champions League quarter final to come, and City would have been exactly the same as they are now. I don't know, uh, but in terms of in terms of this weekend, Adam, maybe we're preempting, maybe we're being a little bit too confident. But I won't be surprised if we sat here Sunday evening, Monday morning, reviewing the match, going, "Oh yeah, City were great. They won three 0 Is this is this going to is this going to kickstart the season? Because it's happened so often now. I remember that Wolves game where Haaland's got a hat trick, and I was like, "Oh, this is good," and I was like. Wait, was that was the performance that good? I don't know. It, it's, giving, it's giving staunch 2019 20 vibes. Not even because of the off-the-pitch stuff. It's just it just reeks of it in at this point.
1: For me, it's it's has nothing to do with the result, and it's all about the performance. It's the energy, the intent. I mean, that was a word I used a lot in the Spurs game. The the intent of the team was not very positive. Mm. You know, how often did we see in the first ten to fifteen minutes, Julian Alvarez and Erling Holland both make incredible runs off of the back shoulder of Spurs center backs, and Bernardo Silva or Rodri or Rico Lewis in midfield would turn around and pl- pass the but ball why backwards. Why is that?
0: What? what, what is it, it just has to be instruction. Is it no? Well, yeah, I, I get that, you know, because we've seen Rodri. I, I can't remember how many assists he got last season, but it was a lot. But is it just don't give the ball away? Because if we do, we're susceptible to counterattacks. Is it that simple? I think surely I think, there's I've, a way around yeah.
1: it. I think it's that simple. I think it's if you're trying to hit a forty-yard ball in behind, the chances of you giving it away in that situation versus a ten-yard ball backwards are, are greater. And I think I think it's as simple as that. I mean, we're obviously not Pep Guardiola. Um, but for me going into this Villa game, it's all about the intent of the team. If, if, if you can tell by the performance and it may finish, you know, one 0 city, whatever, if you can tell by the performance that they are aggressive and trying to create things and trying to be innovative and essentially <laughs> do everything the opposite of what they've been doing for weeks now, which has been very conservative and risk-free, it's time to take some risks. The risk-free the risk free philosophy has gotten you within eight points out of first place. Um, so it's time to change something. And I, we, we've kind of all declared on here it's likely not going to change. But I think at a certain point, you've got to be like, okay, this isn't working well enough. It's one thing I can suffer through the conservative defensive football if it works. Mm. If you're eking out 1-0 wins... I don't I do not care how you win football games, but that clearly doesn't work. City were Spurs were all over City in that second half of that game. They could have had four or five if it weren't for some poor finishing from Kane and Son and Kulusevski. That they could have run away with that game because City were so susceptible to the counterattack. So if you set out for this conservative game plan, but it's not conservative enough to actually protect you from anything, then you've got to switch it up and try and be aggressive going the other way
0: to so see to be honest i'm the other end of the spectrum in the sense that I, I know you don't necessarily mean this as a binary sort of yes no this is where you stand but I, i'm i would much rather lose 5-0 and have been playing the better football at least trying to play the better football you know results for me to some extent to st- some extent are irrelevant whereas at the moment you or i and anyone else who has that sort of that that, that sort of uh polarizing opinion on what they prefer are getting none of it the results are bad and the performances are bad. So something has to change. Something has to change. Um, that'll do for part one. We'll be back in a second to speak about an enigma in this Manchester City football team at the moment. Welcome back to the City Report podcast, your home for daily Manchester City content. As I said at the top, if you haven't already, last two episodes we've been going through the uh, Premier League charges. Obviously, we had a little bit of a chat about that at this front. But... Um, but really, go back and listen to that. The Tuesday episode for me was, was one of the most sort of well received episodes we've had. Some of the most the, the highest criticism of an episode we've had as well. It's it's that polarizing of an issue, uh, and then obviously, like I said on the Wednesday, Andrew and Adam went through it um, from a sort of a legal point of view. So we're gonna we're gonna finish on uh, a footballing topic. Oli Kevin De Bruyne. Um, I remember tweeting it was the Leeds match. Uh, Leeds away. Um. When De Bruyne, I can't remember how many assists he got, but but I said something along the lines of Kevin De Bruyne is taking his football to a different level this season. I think as soon as i press pressed send on that tweet, everything since has been not even just downhill. It's been sort of hurtling at uh, 400 miles an hour down a cliffside. It's just been it, it, he is just confusing me it's like it's like a uh when you're in a relationship someone's giving you mixed signals it's just confusing what what's going on with him do you think
2: yeah it's it's really hard to kind of figure out kevin because he's he's always been a player who just constantly tries you know he's you know people always say his past completion isn't great but it's because he's constantly trying something quite difficult that not a lot of footballers can do and when mm. it comes off he looks unbeatable he looks unplayable one of the best if not the best midfielders the premier league has ever seen but when it's not coming off and it's not working and it's and it's jagged it's just he looks he looks he, and and because and his reaction isn't great he looks defeated and he looks you know downtrodden you know but then he start, and his arms start wailing and it's just like why aren't you all as good as me you know, it's, mm. and, it, and it's that sort of Kevin De Bruyne we're seeing at the moment. And it's just, it is difficult to watch him because we know, the thing is, we all know how great he is. And this is the thing with a lot of our players, we all know how great they are. We all know how brilliant they're t- and they're so much talent and ability in this squad, but they're just not performing at that level at the moment. And it's mm. it's all right if you've got one or two players like that. I remember, you know, De Bruyne coming back from injury in eighteen nineteen. And, you know, it was a kind of similar situation to how it is now. You know, he'd come back from his injury and he you know, been through all these things. But the performance is just never quite picked up to his regular level. But we're seeing that from three or four players this season. You know, Bernardo Silva's not been great either. You know, we're seeing, you know, problems at centre back. See- Kyle Walker's been off the boil pretty much all season, but especially since the World Cup. But so it's it's not all on Kevin. But when you are the hub of the team and the most important player in the team, you expect more. So yeah.
1: I think I think to be fair to him he's essentially useless in this system, right? I mean, he's just, as a, as a footballer, he's not designed to, and if you look at the way our midfielders are playing at the moment, they're like back-to-goal strikers because they have their back-to-goal, essentially. They're picking up the ball from center, from center backs. They turn around. If there's not a risk-free option, they go backwards, and we try and recycle it again. He's designed, Kevin De Bruyne as a footballer, is perfect for, playing in transition, or if you're camped on the edge of the opponent's box, he can pick little passes, little diagonal balls to the to the byline, so on and so forth. Or if he's out wide, he can play inch-perfect crosses into Erling Holland. But he's, he's essentially useless in the system that is what we believe to be. The whole point of it is that you don't take any risky passes. You don't take any risks going forward. But Kevin De Bruyne, in his essence— is a risk-taking player. And what makes him so magical is that he takes risks and he makes them look like they weren't a risk in the first place. He can put a looping 40-yard ball right on someone's foot when you'd think that 9 out of 10 other footballers don't make that pass, right? So if mm. if your whole— at Guardiola, before the Spurs game, was asked, is it purely tactical that Kevin De Bruyne is on the bench? And he simply said, yes. And I believe him. I believe mm. him because— What's the point of Kevin De Bruyne if you're essentially instructing your midfield players don't play any balls in behind, don't put any diagonal balls over the top? If it's not on, go backwards. He's useless in that situation because he's not a controlled midfielder. He's not defensive. So there's no point in playing a player like him. So I I really sympathize with him at the moment because I think he's one of many players who are um, their talents are being totally dulled by the system that they're in at the moment.
0: Which which is interesting, isn't it, Adam? Because I'll stick with you because City. It, it, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've been hoodwinked, and, and maybe City have always been this sort of cataclysmic at the back. But I don't think we have. I think we, I think City have always had a team that's controlled football matches. So and and obviously within that Kevin De Bruyne has excelled and he's been the league's best player for however many years you know you could have a debate Mohamed Salah um I don't know I can't even remember any I can't even think of anyone else who could have possibly touched his levels he's been one of the best footballers in the world so what why wh- why why is it now that suddenly city have just sort of taken the foot off the gas so much it's grinded to a halt and I suppose you've been you've been hounded enough, Adam this week, so apologies for me throwing this question your way. but it's on the manager, then isn't it? It's Guardiola's fault, and it's his problem now to fix it.
1: I think there is just a huge domino effect in the team at the moment. One of those dominoes, and I think the first domino is the way that we set up in defense. I mean, you look at that back three at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium last Sunday, Kyle Walker, Manuel Kanji, and Nathan Ake. Which of those three players is going to progress the ball up the field? (laughs) None of them. That's the answer. Exactly. None of them. And so when you've got moments in which Rodri is collecting the ball on the edge of the the penalty box and giving it away, when typically it's maybe John Stones or I'm Eric Laporte stepping up into that area Mm -hmm. with the ball and being able to spray diagonal passes to the wing or whatever. Um, So weirdly, I think... When you aren't playing, I would say that back three is by far the worst at playing the ball out of the back. Manuel Akanji is the worst center back that we have, and I don't mean to criticize, I don't mean to label him as the worst because I think he's a fantastic player, but Mm. he's not at the level of a prime Ruben Diaz, a prime John Stones, or a Merrick Laporte. Um, So you just have this domino effect where if you can't get the ball out of your defensive half, Then your midfielders are in trouble because they've got to come tracking back so deep. And then that leaves your wingers having to come back so deep. And it's just everything's backwards. It's all negative because you're being pushed back towards your own goal. And I think it's a domino effect from the back. So I, I really do sympathize with players like Kevin De Bruyne, Ilkay Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, because they're used to picking up the ball kind of at the halfway line or on the other side of the halfway line. And they can turn and they can play balls in behind. They can go out to the wing. But right now, everything is backwards. And I don't really see how it changes with the personnel that we have right now unless Guardiola finally kind of puts his hands up and says, maybe I've got to play some of my players that aren't as quote unquote happy, like Mm -hmm. Laporte, like Diaz. I mean, Laporte, for me, he's got to go straight into the team. I think that resolves so many of your issues at the back, not from a defensive point of view. Maybe a little bit from a defensive point of view, but your ability to progress the ball out of out of the back and just start everything about your ball movement higher up the pitch, you're resolving one of your, your biggest issues right there. But the players that would be the most useful in the way that City are pl- trying to play right now are sitting on the bench with frowns on their face. So mm. what can we do?
0: Speaking of frowns on the face, it's been about that on this panel. Uh, Ollie, we'll we'll finish we'll finish on a high, and I'll come to you for this because you're the most um, you're the most happy-go-lucky out of us three, which <laughs> says which says a lot. That is
1: saying <laughs> that is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really is. Yeah.
0: But but for those for those more uh, cheerful. Of our listeners, give us some positivity heading into the Villa game. Are we going to see this reaction we want to see from City? Is the potential for it to be the, the sort of the, the starting point? Has everything that's gone before in the last couple of weeks just a blip, a City over it? Can they get over it? Is the title there to be won? I wish you
2: were asking me this 59 minutes before kickoff, because uh, then I could probably get <laughs> a better answer. But a few days out, I mean, I hope it is. I want it to be. I think there's a lot of players in that dressing room whom are, are they're going to be feeling a similar way, and they're going to think, right, we need to do something here. You know, all the post match mm. chat from the players was, you know, we need to put put up put this together and you know work something out. Um, so it's 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 up to Pep Guardiola now, and I think he said something like, "This is, you know, I've got to I've got to look at myself. I've got to you know consider responsibilities here." Um, And also, I think, you know, not to go back to the off the pitch stuff we've been dealing with this week. But you know, we saw in 1920, City had a bit of a bunker mentality about them, a bit of us against the world, and the, mm. and the fans especially did. Um, you know, I remember the was it Leicester away? You know, I think the day after, um, days after, yeah, UEFA um, put out the statement charging us, and the fans were chatting, City going down with a billion in the bank, and it was one and it was one of the best away days I can remember. It was a brilliant mm. day. And they won one nil. So you know, maybe it's maybe it's as much on the fans as well. To you know. Have that bit of bunker mentality, and yeah. you know, and City fans are good at playing the victim and being the us against the world. So, I think you know it's on them as much as it is on the players on on Sunday to get a reaction out of them. Um, I hope so. Uh, you know, I think I, I think we'd all love to be sitting here Sunday evening having one three or four nil, and the old and the old school City are back, and De Bruyne has got a couple of assists or a goal or something. But we'll see. Mm. I mean, I think the one thing is, yeah, I, I agree with Adam. The one thing he's got to change is put uh, Merit Laporte back in that defence. Uh, preferably alongside Ruben Diaz they're our best two centre-backs stop messing around with trying to you know figure out ways to you know sort out the midfield just put up play our best players and we might get one of our best performances
0: let the boys play. Let the boys play, Pet. That's all you want to say. Um, guys, thank you very much. Once again, another reminder, if you haven't already, go back and listen to this week's episodes. There's been a cracking, cracking lineup. Uh, One more show for us this week. We'll be back tomorrow with a few predictions and hopefully hopefully, some, uh, some more happy faces, some more happy flowers. Who knows? Um, thank you very much for listening. And until next time, we'll see you later.
1: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.